Hello, queens, and welcome to the Purity After Promiscuity podcast, where we are redefining a woman's worth. I'm your host, Janelle Renee. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is our day. It is Friday. Yes, it is our time to come together and to just fellowship um, to and to just, you know, be edified, right? Because even I be edified as I do the podcast, because a lot of times what I say it's for me too. So I'm like, I hope y'all enjoying it because I'm enjoying it. Okay. So um, welcome to all my new listeners. Every person who just decides to come and check us out. Just if you're just curious, what is this about? What is purity after promiscuity? What is redefining a woman worth? Well, I don't care what brought you here. The fact that you're here Hey girl, I'm blessed. I'm honored. I pray that you're blessed. I pray that you get what you need. I pray that it is something that encourages you, empowers you, equips you to live your best life, to redefine your worth, to be the best version of you that that the Lord has created you to be. Amen. And then I want to say, hey girl, to all my loyal listeners. Hey, hey. Okay, y'all just really continue to bless me each and every week. Every time I see y'all streaming, y'all listening, if you're sharing it, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It means the world to me because that's how they can get to reach more women because I'm all about us as a unit, right? We are working together. I don't know everybody and every woman may not come across my, my website or may not come across my business page on Facebook or may not come across my podcast. And so maybe there's somebody connected to you that you can share with your sister and your friend and your mother you know and your aunt and your niece and all of the women that's connected to you because it's for us all I am here because I want all of us to redefine our worth, to walk boldly, unapologetically into the women as the women we were created to be and not needed anything else to validate us or affirm us or confirm us. But we know that we know that we know that we are worthy because sis, you are worthy. Yes. So I just thank everyone, whether you're a new listener, you have been a loyal listener, it doesn't matter. You're worthy, you're valuable, you're beautiful, you're gifted, you're talented, you're amazing. In the name of Jesus, if nobody else tells you, I'm going to tell you, sis. And you may get tired of me telling you, but I'm going to keep telling you until you believe it for yourself. Until you begin to speak it over yourself. And it don't just be words, but you're saying it because you actually believe the thing. So I'm going to continue to remind you, yes, you're worthy. I don't care what you have done. I don't care what you may be doing right now. I don't care what you did last night. I don't care what you did yesterday. You're still worthy. Not because Janelle says so, but because the living God says so. He said you're worthy. So it doesn't matter. It don't matter, you know, what uh, what background you come from. It don't matter. It don't matter your history. The Bible tells us that your greater, your, your latter days will be greater than your past. What does that mean? So what's ahead is going to be greater than what's behind. So how you start don't matter. It's how you finish. So sometimes we start off wrong. We be dealt a bad hand. And so we do the best we can with it. Since I understand, cause that's me. You may be saying to yourself, oh, you don't know my story. I don't. I don't have to know your story, but I have a story too. And what I do know that I got dealt, you know, like if we was paying spades, you know, I ain't had no books. Okay. 
the hand I was dealt was one that I constantly questioned um, God, like, why? Why did, why, what did I do so horrible to have to, to have to be given this life, to have these experiences, to have this level of trauma, to have this level of abuse, to have this level of rejection, to have this level of abandonment, right? Why? What did I, all I was, I just was born. Like, what did I do? Like, I'm not sure. Like, it, and, and it just been, and I used to really be in a place where I was just always angry, right? I was just so full of anger and resentment and bitterness because I was so upset. I was so mad. Like, why is my life like this? When I look over at my neighbor or I look over at this person and they life seem to be going so well. And, you know, and their things are working out for them. You know, they have a good life. They have a good parents they have a good upbringing they have a you know a just um a good environment you know like they're being blessed you know they things are just working out even as a child I used to notice it even as a child I remember you know um being probably 12 11 12 um and living um on this little uh it wasn't a full street. It was like a court, you know, it was like, because it dead ended into a, um, a parking garage to a hospital. So it was a real, real narrow, narrow little piece of a street. Um, and that's really all it was. It wasn't even a, like, I wouldn't even say it was a whole block. So it was just a very small, intimate, um, area where there was a bunch of very old houses that probably, if I had to imagine, were built in the early 1900s <laughs> because they were very old even back then. And I'm talking about in the nineties and these houses looked ancient then. Okay. But, um, so needless to say, it wasn't even like it was a lot of people. It was, it, we, so it was a close knit place where most of us knew each other. Right. Um, it wasn't a lot of children, um, but there was enough. And so you got to know your neighbors. You got to know people in this area very well because it was just such a little small knit place. And so I had a friend, um, who, um, we were like the same age. And so I, I used to enjoy playing with her. We used to have a lot of fun. Um, and because most of the time it was just us in our age group, you know, in this little, um, on this little court or dead end street, if you will. And, um, I just started to notice though, like the difference in her her family environment than than mine um and it wasn't anything she did and it wasn't anything that she said because she was very kind she was very nice she was you know a good friend and her family was very nice and kind you know i would go over their house we would i would hang out over there you know all of that you know they woke up me um you know so it wasn't never anything that was dead it was just i mean excuse me done it was never anything that was done it was just what i observed you know, I mean, I just observed the difference in, you know, their, their family dynamic, right? I, I observed the difference in the, even in the structure 
of their household. You know, I, I observed the difference, you know, in, um, you know, the, the mother and in, in the, in the, in the father that was in the home and all of these things, right. That was very different from what I was experiencing in my own home. It in my home. It was a lot more, um, it was a lot more, you know, unorganized. It was a lot more, it was a lot less structure. It was more chaotic. It wasn't, it did, it was never like that true family, feel like you know it was it was just kind of like I got used to it but looking back it was just like a very dysfunctional environment and not to say that I was in my friend's environment every day all day to really know exactly what was going on however I was there enough to observe that there was a clear difference and I remember being a child thinking to myself well why why is their family, why do she get to have, you know, um, a family that is um, more loving and um, more family oriented? And why, why does she get to, you know, um, have, you know, even things, you know, when it would come down to, I remember I wanted a pager because back then, I, y'all know, y'all, y'all can tell how old I am, right? I'm talking about a pager. But I remember I really wanted a pager. And I had asked my parents for a pager and it was one of those things where they're like, oh, okay, no, you don't need that or we can't afford that or whatever. And then I remember she had a pager. And even something something like that, because you know, as kids, something like that is big. Like when you, when that, when that toy come out or that game system come out or that, whatever that big major thing at that time come out, you know, as a child, you want it, right? And that's, it's almost a sign of, yeah, you know, like I got this. So I wanted a pager because that was like the hot thing, you know, like cell phones, everybody got a cell phone back then, everybody had a pager. And I remember when she had a pager, I was so like upset and I was so angry at my parents because I'm like, why my parents can't get me a pager? So it sounds silly now, but looking back, I just remember that even then I noticed differences in other people and their life and in how they were um, raised or their upbringing or their family dynamic compared to mine. And I noticed that mine's always seemed like way different. And not to say I just grew up in like a just horrible, hor you know, home or had horrible parents. But, um, you know, what I will say is they did the best they could, right? With 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 the capacity they had, with the knowledge they had, you know, with the with the uh, resources they had, and I don't, you know, and I appreciate it, and and I don't ever want to make it seem like they, you know, they just were just awful because they weren't. But it was just I realized from an early age that my life and and the way that I was being brought up and the things that I experienced were very different than other people's. And so with that being said, even as I grew up and, and started becoming a teenager and even into adulthood, it was just very clear that my life was different. The things I experienced was different. My history, my past was different. You know, I felt like I always had to hide myself. Like I always had to hide my history. Like I always had to hide my truth. Like I always had to hide that part of me that I felt was just very, um, like it was just very 
shameful, right? I felt a lot of shame because, you know, my parents, they were on drugs, you know, so I felt a lot of shame behind that. I felt a lot of shame because I was molested and, you know, and I was violated growing up. I felt a lot of shame behind that. I felt a lot of shame because I lost my virginity officially um, in a very traumatic way when I was like 12, 13 years old. <clears throat> so it was very hard for me to ever feel comfortable to be myself around people because I was so ashamed and I all automatically assumed that I would be judged and nobody would want to be my friend if they really knew like the stuff that I had, right? The stuff that like the baggage I was carrying, you know, like my experiences, my history, like my family life, like so for so many years, I never brought people around my family. Never. Um, because I was always embarrassed. I was always embarrassed. And, you know, I remember um, being um, in high school. And one of, um, one of these girls from school, you know, who I thought was my friend. And she was like the cool girl, right? And so everybody always wanted to be friends with the cool girl. Um, and she was kind of lightweight, low-key bully. For real, for real. Now that I think about it, she was a little bullyish. However, uh, we was cool. And so, you know, she ain't, you know, bully me or anything. But looking back, she definitely was like a bully. That's terrible. Um, but um, she was cool, right? And so I, I never was really allowed to spend a night over people's houses. Really didn't have a lot of company or people spending a night at my house. So it was one of those things where some kind of way um, she wanted to spend a night at my house or something. And I was so excited. And I asked my parents and they like, yes, she could spend a night. So I'm really elated, like, oh my gosh, she get to spend the night. We about to have so much fun. We about to sit up and have like girls night, you know, all of that, right? So when she spent the night at my house, like we, you know, we hung out, we chill, you know, like she was not as fun as I thought she was going to be because <laughs> I was an only child for a long time. I was an only child for 10 years. And then when my parents had my my, my brother, I was like 10 years old. And when I had my sister, I was like 12. So then when I did have siblings, like they babies, I can't play with them. So I'm always, ex I was always excited to have friends, right? I always wanted to have friends and I always wanted to have people, um, to hang out with because I always felt like I was only with myself because I was an only child. So I'm thinking we about to literally just like turn up. Okay. And we, we chill, you know, it was cool, but um, she went back to school and she ended up telling everybody that we had roaches. And, you know, then it became like this whole thing. I was being, um, you know, people making fun of me. They were talking about me, you know, and this and this and that. And I was so angry and I was so sad and I wanted to fight her because I just can't believe she would do that. Because the truth of the matter is we had to um, move into my, um, my dad's um, mother's home to take care of her. And so I already said in the beginning um, of this story that we lived in um, a little on a little court that had a, all these houses that they seemed like they were ancient, like they were so old, right? So we we moved from our house um, that we had, which was a very nice house, and we ended up moving had to move in with her. And so the house was already a little unkept. It was very old, you know, had a lot of problems. It was stale. It had like a stale smell. It The bathroom was in the basement, y'all. I kid you not. This house was so old that the 
bathroom. There was no bathroom in the upstairs. It was in the creepy, and I mean creepy, basement. I'm talking about a creepy basement, like a basement you don't want to go in. Not like a nice basement, finished basement. Absolutely not. I'll talk about scary movie type of basement. A basement you going down there, you think you're going to see a ghost. You know, you think something gonna jump out and get you. Spiders. Spiders. It's so many times I went down there to have to take a bath and there was no shower. Only a tub. So the only thing you could do is take a bath. And on numerous occasions, I went down to take a bath and it was a spider in the bathtub. Like, it did try, try to give you guys a picture of what I mean. Like, this house was old. On top of it being old, it was just probably not kept. And then it was a lot of like woods that surrounded like the area. So now you're talking about um, like just all kind of, you know, factors, you know, and, and the upkeep, which it did have roaches, you know, and it wasn't because we came there and we had roaches. It was there. The roaches was there. You know, we got there. We was invading the roaches space. But nevertheless, you know, you think like when somebody is your friend, you you really assume that even if there is something you know that you're not proud of or something you know that you know you're ashamed of or you know something you know that is is very um you know hurtful you you kind of would think that a person that you assume is your friend would keep that confidence so i didn't think about when she spent was coming to spend the night the fact that um she might see a roach and then she would go tell the people at school like i never thought that um but she did and so it was just so humiliating. It was so humiliating. And for me, it just added to the humiliation that I already had. Because I already felt like, you know, oh my gosh, I don't want people to find out what's, you know, what my parents' is, you know, problem is. I don't want people to know that, you know, I was molested. I don't want people to know I was violated. I don't want people to know that I lost my virginity um, at a young age. I don't want people to know. So I already was trying to, you know, damage control, if you will, with hiding my, was hiding so many things. So after that, that, what that taught me was I can't trust people. And I definitely didn't want nobody at my house. And, um, so that really, um, it really scarred me. Right. And then growing up, growing up in my adulthood, you know, again, thinking, you, you know, people are your friend, thinking you can trust people, thinking people got your back, thinking you can trust people, um, with that, with, with those, um, fragile parts of you, you know, with those broken parts or with those things that you're um, not proud of or the things that you're ashamed of, right? Or just with having a access to your life, right? And just to, you know, information and, and, and to, you know, the, the parts of you that most people on the outside don't get to see. Because that's what happens when you have a friendship that is a close-knit relationship. It's a difference between an associate, associate, somebody you know, you see them on the street, you know, you may, you know, speak, you know, if y'all out, you know, y'all may chit-chat, whatever. But your friend is someone who should know you. They get access to you. They get to see those innermost parts. They get to see the intimate places and spaces of your life. So when people have close are in close proximity, by default, they get access to certain things, right, in your life, which it should be that way if they're truly a friend. But even as I um, became an adult, I remember, you know, having experiences where I thought, you know, different um, at different times, you know, even as a teenager in early adulthood, you know, even up until in my 30s. Where just thinking that certain people are my friend and then they turn around and they are talking about me or they're, you know, 
spreading rumors or they're lying or they're taking information you know that i um told them in confidence you know and they're using it against me or throwing it up in my face or you know just all kind of different things and it just really created even more of a wall for me because i already had walls up and i was afraid to let people truly in because of being violated you know when you're violated as a child it really teaches you that you can't trust people even people that say they love you, even your own family members, right? Because a lot of times the statistics show that when um, a child is molested or raped and sexually abused, um, it's a, normally, it's a, not all the time, but a lot of time it's by a family member. And so that creates such a distrust and it creates such a fear in you that you're all you're really afraid to let somebody in because your your biggest fear is that somebody else is going to violate you. And here's something that you may not know. It's one thing to be physically violated, right? Where someone is forcing you to do something you don't want to do or they're taking something from you without your permission, right? But it's a whole nother thing when someone violates you um, emotionally or mentally, right? Where somebody violates your, your confidence, you know, when they take something that didn't belong to them, you know, or they take some information that didn't belong to them and then they use it against you. They use it and it turns into a weapon, you know, like that saying, they, you know, backstabbers, they stab you in the back or whatever, or they just betray you. That's still a form of being violated. So I said all that to say, I had a history of being violated and because I had a history with being violated, I never was able to truly be myself because I was too busy erecting walls and too busy pretending to be somebody else and too busy needing to put on a mask and too busy trying to hide my past and too busy trying to make sure that nobody really get close enough to see the real me. I was too consumed with holding up this facade of who I wanted people to believe I was because I was too ashamed to be who I was. I was too ashamed that no one would accept me if they really knew what I came from. I was too afraid that no man would want me if he knew how I was already violated, right? Or I was already quote unquote, you know, tainted, right? I, I was, I was too afraid that no, I would never have a, you know, like a friend group that no one would really even allow me in, or I wouldn't have that acceptance, right? Um, because of what my past was. So here I am today, 2022, and I have a whole heap load of stuff. Okay, and so again, for the person who's thinking, you don't know my story, you don't know what I've been through, you don't know how deep the damage is, how deep the wound is, you don't know how many times I was violated or disappointed, let down, you don't know how how I was sexually abused or mentally or physically abused, right? You don't know, you know, my story. I don't, but sis, we all have a story. The The point of the matter is, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to keep allowing your past to have the pen or are you going to take that pen back and start writing your own story? That is what redefining a woman's worth is it is saying you know what my past you start you speaking too loud you starting to have too much control you're, you're how is it that we can let our past control our future when we can say things like well that's just who i am 
Well, I didn't been doing that for so long. I ain't no sense of changing. You know, when we say things like that, you know, or, you know, it is what it is. Like, you know, I'm setting my ways. All of these things that we speak of ourselves, these are limiting, limiting beliefs because now we're telling our mind that we can't change or we don't, we, there, we don't want to change, right? And so now our past continues to dictate our future. So that's why we keep doing the same things. But in our minds, we really, and in our hearts, we expect a different result. I know I did. I kept doing the same thing. So I kept giving my body to a man. In my mind, thinking, one of these times, somebody gonna make me a wife. Y'all, yes. Like, that's insanity. I'm doing the same thing. But I'm really in my heart, I'm expecting a different result. But then I might, you know, when the situation turns out the same way every time, because it did. And I know some of you guys, y'all don't have to say it, but I know y'all had that same testimony. Like how many times, like, have we slept with a guy? And no matter how much they told us they loved us, we gonna be together. Some of us may even told us they would marry us or they gonna leave they, they, they woman, they wife, whatever. Cause we done been in situations. Come on now, like we keep it real on this podcast. We keep it hot, we keep it honest, open and transparent. Like how many of us been the side chick and we believe the lie that he gonna leave old girl and we gonna be together. Like how many times have we put out everything we had? We put out our bodies, we put out our times, you know, uh, we put out our, our emotions, right? We put out all of these things expecting something in return. And how many of us can say in truth right now, it don't happen. It didn't happen. But we still find ourselves in this cycle where we're continuing to do the same things, right? We continue to make the same decisions. We continue to go to the same places and we expect to meet somebody different. We keep being the same person and we expect them to do different. No, it don't work like that. You, If you want something different, you got to do something different. So the reason why, and see, the Lord really had to convict my heart, you know, about this podcast. Because this podcast is called Purity After Promiscuity. And it is an extension of redefining a woman's worth because they go hand in hand. But I remember when I first got the title to this podcast, I was kind of like, why would I do that? <laughs> if I'm honest, like, why? Why would I name a podcast Purity After Promiscuity? Like, Lord, that just, that don't even make no sense. And so, um, because I believe it was the Lord that gave me the, the title, I went ahead and I just did it. But I always kind of felt indifferent about it, if I'm honest, because I didn't want it to really be like promiscuity, you know? And because first of all, I felt like a lot of women may either say they don't identify or be afraid to say they identify, right? Or just kind of be turned away from the fact that they say purity after promiscuity. And because my hope was, in my mind, to reach a lot of women. Like, because I know that it's so many women that struggle just with their worth, right? So I wanted to focus more on the redefining a woman's worth part of it. And I kind of wanted to shun the whole purity after promiscuity. And that's why I don't talk about it a lot. Or if I do, I always take it back to, you know, it's not always about just being sexually promis promiscuous, even though it, it is and it can be, but we can be promiscuous in other ways, which is true. 
You can be emotionally promiscuous. You, we're all promiscuous when it comes to God because we all have and, and do serve other gods at other times. This is why, again, he talked in the Bible to the children of Israel and he called them adulterous, um, adulterous people. You know, they were like an adulterous woman. They were, you know, um, promiscuous because they kept going and they kept serving other gods and sacrificing and prostituting themselves to other gods other than the God of the heavens and the earth. So promiscuity, that word is not always just um about being sexually promiscuous but for the sake of this podcast i'm gonna just keep it real it is and the lord had to check me because i'm not doing i'm still afraid right i'm still afraid to really walk in this thing and to really be bold to say there are some of us me included that just have a sketchy past that have a past we're not proud of that did a lot of things that looking back we regret or wish we hadn't did you know in our ignorance in our brokenness in our wounds whatever the reason why we made choices and those choices took us down the path of promiscuity sexually so we gave our bodies to many many men and because in our minds we so desperately want love we so desperately want attention and affection that we are seeking love through giving up our bodies thinking that we're going to get the thing that we desire because we don't know nothing different right that's true and but for me because I was really afraid to boldly testify to that and boldly you know just talk about that that I try to I try to deviate from it right you know I try to you know just kind of overlook it and dance around it but the fact that the matter is that is what God called me to do he called me here to specifically speak to his daughters that also struggled with being promiscuous even if you being promiscuous right now promiscuous is if you're sleeping with more than one man whether it's at a time in a time span if you if you didn't slept with multiple men or throughout the years throughout your lifetime if you're doing it right now if you've done it in the last six months it don't matter it's promise it's it's promiscuity it just is and for who it, and who it's for, it's for. And I have to be okay with that. Who it's not for, it's not. So if you if you want to continue to listen to the podcast because you are being fed, you're being edified, edified, encouraged, I encourage you, continue to go on the journey. But I will set a, a, a standard today that this podcast is going to talk about promiscuity, the effects of promiscuity, the causes of promiscuity, what God says about promiscuity, the fact that you can be restored from promiscuity the fact that that doesn't define you this fact of what it really does to our bodies to our minds to our souls like all of the things we're going to talk about it more why because that is what God called me to do because that's a part of my story and I can't keep running from it and I can't keep trying to hide behind all of these other things because it is my testimony that is going to help another woman overcome it is my experience and her seeing the transformation and how God took this broken part of me and these ashes of my past and my life and he gave me something beautiful and he restored me and he reconciled me and he redeemed me and he loved me and he's blessed me and he's chosen me. Why? Not because I'm disqualified, but because the fact that I have a past qualifies me because I don't know one person in the Bible that didn't have a past. I don't know a one person in the Bible that didn't have a present 
after God came to them, after God told them to do something, after God showed himself strong and mighty, after he did a great exploit through them, they still sinned. We read it. And we certainly know promiscuity is in the Bible, not just because um, the Lord caused the people as a nation promiscuous, but there were people who were promiscuous. Solomon, anytime you got 700 wives and 300 concubines, I don't care. Because first of all, your concubines is your side pieces, okay? They're your side pieces. And even if you got 700 wives, bro, you ain't supposed to be having no 700 wives. You just can't keep it in your pants. We know that he used a prostitute, Rahab. She was a prostitute. She was, you know, a sex worker. It tells us that in Joshua, I think it's what Joshua three and uh, the story of, the, uh, of Jericho. And then, but she still ended up being the great, great, great grandmother of King David. And King David has been the most, the most renowned, most famous, most known king. And God established his kingdom and his, and his throne forever. God told him he will always have a, a, a descendant on the throne. And it is true because Jesus comes from the line of David. And David comes from the line of Rahab. And Rahab was a prostitute. So we got to know God ain't looking for a perfect people because there ain't any because we're all born in sin. When Adam fell, when Eve ate the fruit and gave it to her husband and he ate. See, when Eve ate the fruit, that wasn't the fall because he at Adam, he's the head. He he was the authority, right? He's the one who was supposed to be governing himself and Eve because she was she was his wife. She was one man. She came from man. He is the head. So God's always going to deal with the head. But it wasn't until Adam ate the fruit that sin entered in. That's why the enemy went through Eve. Because he knew he probably couldn't get directly to Adam. Because Adam had spent so much time in God's presence. And Adam knew. And he wasn't going to probably fall for it. What did he do? He went through the weaker one. Not weaker in the sense of less strength. The one who didn't get to spend as, as much time in God's presence. Because Eve was created after Adam. So he went through Eve because he understood that the that 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 the covenant that they had, right? Because they were one flesh. And he understood the influence that Eve had over Adam because of the covenant that they had. So he went through her and it wasn't never about Eve. So we make it about Eve. We talk about, oh, those of us that are Christians that understand that because she ate, that we were all cursed to have pain during childbirth. We're going to desire to be over our husbands, but he's going to lord over us. All of these, um, pay, you know, periods, all of this stuff, right? So we always want to kind of just, you know, just identify Eve as she's the reason why we're experiencing all this stuff in the fall. Of, no, the fall came because Adam ate. Because it did. Eve would have ate and she would have had her own consequences. But things probably would have been different if when she would have offered it to Adam, he would have said no. Cause he's the head and everything flows from the head. He could have, he could have stopped her. He, cause mind you, he's, he's standing right there. He's looking right at the situation. He see the serpent talking to his wife. He see her looking at this fruit now and looking to see that it is desirable for food. He see all this. He could have intervened. He didn't, but it still wasn't until he ate that we fell. 
So all of us are born in sin. It don't matter if your sin is promiscuity. If it's not, it's something. Whether you're a liar, a cheat, an adulterer, you know, a murderer, you know, a thief, you know, it does, a worker of witchcraft, you know, a diviner, a psychic. It don't matter what the sin is. We're all born in it. And there is not a person in the Bible who was without sin. Just like there's no person on this earth. So when we start realizing that God isn't looking for perfection, he's looking for a willing heart. That's what he's looking for. So what God is wanting to do with his daughter specifically, period, across the board, but because my my testimony and my experience is one of that I have an, a personal experience with being promiscuous. That is who I'm called to. I'm called to the broken woman who also has gone down that same path, right? Who because of circumstances, because of things outside of her control that happened to her, whether in childhood or youth and adolescence, a teenager, whatever, whether it's because of mother issues, father issues, rejection, abandonment, whether it's because, you know, you never felt loved or, you know, you, you, you just uh, attention seeking because you never felt like you got any attention as a child. It don't matter why you went down that path, but something altered your person, something altered your identity and altered your, then altered your identity your destiny because your identity often speaks to your destiny this is why in the bible when they named their child they were very serious this wasn't something they took lightly they just wasn't giving them just names that just oh okay i like that name i'm gonna give them that no the names had meaning because they understood that identity speaks to destiny that's why in the story of abraham and sarah before god changed their name see Abraham used to be Abram, which meant my father is Ram or God is a God is Ram and see God. And, and so that spoke to his identity. And Ram was the pagan God that his father, Tara used to worship. And, um, I, I don't remember what Sarai, Sarah's, um, former name used to mean, but I know, um, he changed her name too. So he changed both of their names. Their names gave them identity because he knows God is all about destiny. So he gave them a new identity that was going to speak to the destiny, their true destiny. So what he had to do was he just realigned them back to what his original plan for their life was. So when he, so now when Abram became Abraham, now that his name meant he's the father of many. That was his name. And what did God speak over Abraham in his, for his destiny? I think it's in Genesis 17. What did he say? You are going to be the father of many nations and every nation of the earth will be blessed through you. But see, that's what his name means. And then Sarah means princess. And what did he tell Sarah after he changed her name? He said, your kings and nations will come through you. Wow. But her name's being princess. And what comes through a royal line? Kings, right? So again, God is so intentional. But see, because it, even though God understands identity, and He all get, we all had an original identity from the beginning. And trust me when I tell you, your identity did not 
it, it, when God gave you identity, it did not involve all of the trauma, all of the turmoil, all of the abuse, all of the chaos, all of the mistreatment that we have experienced. What happened? The enemy came in. In the same way he came in to, to deceive Eve, he came into our lives through abuse, through trauma, through dysfunction, you know, through neglect, you know, through abandonment, through whatever it is, right? He came into our lives because he wanted to alter our identity because he know if he can alter your identity, he can alter your destiny. Your destiny did not involve you being promis promiscuous. It didn't involve you having more than one man, more than one husband. It didn't involve you making all of these choices out of hurt, out of wound, out of, out, out of needing love, you know, out of longing, out of fear, you know, whatever it is, it didn't involved that but because he knows the value of knowing your identity because your identity speaks to your destiny so God wants to restore his daughters back to their original destiny your destiny don't include you having to be overly provocative in your attire. It doesn't include you have to be overly sexual. It does overtly sexual. It doesn't include that you always got to lead with your body, that you always got to lead with sex. It doesn't include that. It doesn't include that you got to give your body to every man that comes your way or say something nice or buys you a gift or do all these things. Because what's, what's the truth? Last night when I was in class at church, the man of God said, let me tell y'all, <laughs> the man of God said, women, don't chase no man. Don't chase no man. You let the man chase you. He's supposed to chase you. And, and do not alter yourself in any way to get a man. Don't alter your appearance. Don't alter your behavior. Don't alter anything to get a man. Because the man that is going to, he's going to, he's let him see you. Don't, you don't need to bring attention to yourself. Let him see you because he'll see you. And when he see you, he'll pursue, pursue you. But be clear. Stand your ground. Don't give in. No matter what he say. And this is a man saying this. He said because a man is goal oriented. And when he wants something, he will say anything. He will do anything to get what he wants. That's why a man will promise you the sun, moon, and stars. And then the moment you lay down with that man, he's disinterested. And then everything changed. He changed. He look at you different. And the next thing you know, if he don't just ghost you right then and there, eventually he does. Or he just keep you in that space. He never takes you to the next level. You just always going to be that, that girl he called when he need a little something, something. You always going to be that person, you know what I'm saying, that that he could just, when he just need, you know, like that, a time filler, a space filler. But you're not going to be the one that he going to wife. Because if he wanted to wife you, he would have done it already. Because men know. They know the woman they want to marry very early on. I've seen so many um, stats and so many men literally say that. They know within the first day and three days and three months, six months, a year, whatever. They know early. If you're a woman, they want to marry. It's just that in our mind, we know it too. But we try to trick ourselves to think something different. And so he was saying that if you give in to the man sooner he's not going to be interested because now he's already obtained the goal like don't hold out don't even have don't give him nothing make don't give him nothing because if he's truly interested he gonna stay and I was like, wow, he's talking, he, that's not even what our class was about. Our class was about something different, but he just started talking about that. And he's like, I don't even know why I said that. 
But it's because so many times we're us women we're deceived and we're confused and we're trying to do uh we're trying to make a man want us and notice us, you know, and see us. And we're doing it with things like how we're presenting ourselves, how we dress, you know, our mannerism, our body language, our conversation. And we often feel like we have to lead with sex. And it's like we don't. We live in a, a very overly sexualized society as it is. There's sex everywhere. There's everywhere you turn, whether it's music, it's TV, it's entertainment, you know, whatever it is, it's sex everywhere. But at the end of the day, that's not God's original design. Sex was created to be in the construct, in the boundaries of marriage. And yes, you can have all the nasty sex you want to have with your husband. But outside of that, any form of sexual activity, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's just oral. I don't care if you just, you know, uh, grinding. I don't care if you're masturbating. I don't care what anal. You know, I don't care all these things people kind of make up in their mind. Like, oh, no, because we didn't know penetration. Oh, sis, it ain't got to be penetration, honey. Any type of, so if you look up and define the word uh, sexual immorality, you know, or fornication, you're going to figure out that it's any type of sexual activity outside of marriage. Any. Even if you're just watching porn, because now you're you're visualizing it, you're you know, and you're seeing it, you're taking it in, and oftentimes it's arousing you, and then you end up masturbating anyway. But the Bible, Jesus said, if a man see a woman and he lusts after her, he's already committed adultery. See, that's the power of our thoughts and our mind. You don't always have to do the act. If you just sit there and fantasize that you're having sex with a man, if you just sit there having all these elaborate fantasies in your mind, you sin it, and that's sexual immorality. And God is not pleased. He's not pleased because we're, we're selling ourselves short as women. We're selling ourselves short because we are giving up something that was never meant to be given freely. This is something that was supposed to be attained. It was the, the, the most precious gift that a woman, one of them anyway, could give to her husband was going to be her body. Now. For those of us who are not virgins, because I'm not either, that does not mean that we cannot start over. That doesn't mean that, oh, because we didn't already been down this path for X amount of years that we got to stay on it. You can choose. You can choose. You can choose to abstain. You can choose to honor God with your body. You can choose to allow God to heal you, heal those wounds. See, God can't begin to truly heal those deep wounds you have, sis, because you're constantly defiling your body, which is in turn, it is causing God to not be able to work in you and through you like he desires. Because God cannot, God and sin can't indwell in the same place. That's why the Bible says where there is light, darkness cannot be. And this is why our society and the dark influences wants us to stay in this state of perversion and being over-sexualized and thinking everything is okay and just, you know, overlooking things and turning a blind eye and just thinking it's normal. It's not normal. It's not normal. I don't care who you are. I don't care how you want to spin it. Even for myself, when I was doing it, it wasn't normal. It's not normal. And that's not that's not of God. And that's not what God desires for us as women. Because the, the truth be told, not only are we defiling our temples, our bodies, but we're also creating soul ties with every single man or woman that you sleep with. What is a soul tie? A soul tie is a covenant. 
A soul tie is a connection that you have created spiritually with that person that physically keeps you connected to them. So it doesn't matter that you leave that person, you only sleep with them one time, your soul is still connected to them. And whatever they have on them transfers onto you. Whatever you have on you transfers to them. This is why the Bible says the two becomes one flesh. It doesn't matter that you're not married. See, the Bible is referring to marriage and when it says that but guess what every time you have sex with somebody is like you married them in the spirit because that was one of the main ways that marriages were um consummated was sex like in the bible a person they would have a little marriage you know for, formal marriage ceremony or whatever but the consummation came when they had intercourse that's when they became one flesh and so every time you have sex with somebody, it's like they married you, you married to them in the spirit. So now you wonder why you struggling with um, having, being emotionally stable. You find yourself, you know, being angry out of nowhere, confused out of nowhere. You find yourself still being connected to a person you slept with years ago and you can't get them off your mind. You find yourself not being able to engage in or get in a stable relationship. Or if you get in one, it's always chaotic. Well, nine out of 10, that's because you have these un um unsevered soul ties with other people that you had before you and then whoever the people that the person you're sleeping with currently has that they have sex with they bringing that in so it's like a big old mess it's like all of these different souls are intermingling and we don't see that because it's happening in the spirit realm what we don't see but the spirit realm is very real it's very real. And so this is that that is the part that the that the enemy don't want us to find out. He don't want us to find out what's truly what we're doing to ourselves, how we are holding up our true marriages and how we're all how we are holding up our true fruitful and um loving relationships, how we are holding up our own destinies just by a simple act of physically giving our body, right? And yeah, some may say, well, I do that because it feel good, you know, and I like to do it and I like to, you know, feel good and it ain't that deep for me. It don't, you don't have to think it's that deep. It's that deep anyway, because God created it to be. So you don't have to think that. That don't make it untrue. It's very real. It's very true. Um, You can Google it. You can look it up. You can look in the Bible. You, you can trust me. You don't take my word for it. Google soul ties. Google the power of sex. Google, you know, um, the, you know, what happens during sex, like truly like Google that stuff, Google it, see what comes up. I guarantee you, cause I've seen it. I've Googled it. I've heard it. I listened to it. I know. And, and I, and I've had to go through it myself. And so God doesn't want us to continue to live these lives that, that are beneath what he really has for us. He wants us to be free. He wants us to be restored. He wants his daughters to know that you're beautiful. You're amazing. You're worthy. You're valuable. You're loving. You're worthy of love. You, you, a man, you are a gift. That's why the Bible said he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. You're, you're a good thing. You don't need a man to tell you that to validate that. You're that because God created you to be. And you don't have to continue to use your body and um, sex as manipulation to get what you want. Because we do that too. And so, um, I don't know. I just got on here and I just wanted to speak truth and be honest and really talk about the things that I know God want me to talk about. And so, we, that's what we're going to do. And I just hope it, that, you know, that you really are listening to what I'm saying and that you allow God to really minister to your heart and to help you to get understanding and to lead you in, you know, really the truth of what we're, what these acts really mean and what happens. And, and a lot of the things that you keep trying to do or you want or you desire, you know, that the reason why 
why you're not able to walk in them or see them it's not just because oh it ain't no good men out here or you know this that, and that. It's sometimes it's just because of what we're doing you know sometimes it's because of the choices that we're making and we don't really understand the consequences right and so yes sis i just want you to be free i want to walk in freedom and i want you to walk in freedom with me and i want you to know that it is possible it is possible it don't matter it don't matter your past it don't matter it is possible god can restore you you can be to slept with a thousand men it don't matter he can cover that the bible says that his that his love covers a multitude of sins so it doesn't matter it doesn't matter the number how many it don't matter when it don't matter if it was last night this morning five minutes ago it doesn't matter he can redeem and restore you if you let him but you just have to be willing, you know, to give up some things. You have to be willing to be honest with yourself and God and invite him in so he is able to heal you from the inside out like he did the woman with the issue of blood. He healed her internally first. Jesus said, daughter, that was their healing. That was their internal internal healing. Then he said, your faith has made you well. That was the physical healing. So God wants you to be restored and renewed. And he wants you to know that he loves you with the unconditional, unwavering love. And again, you are worthy. Hey queens, I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode of the Purity After Promiscuity podcast where we are redefining a woman's worth. And I know it was really heavy this week, but it's serious though, it's a serious thing because I know a lot of us women, we struggle. We struggle in that area, whether it's overt or covert, whether we're, you know, um, whether we're vocal about it or, you know, we're silenced, you know, I know I tried to live in silence about it for a long time just because I was so embarrassed and so shameful. And so, you know, just felt um, just so, you know, just nasty, really. Um, and just felt so much um, regret. Right. And I just felt like um, I was just so unworthy and so, um, you know, no one would want me and I wasn't, you know, valuable. And, and I just was too tainted. You know, I just had all these different things you know i just knew like in my mind i felt like a man would never want me because he wouldn't want a woman with a history like me a past like me so i kept myself bound you know i was bound by um just hiding hiding myself hiding my past hiding you know the things that i went through you know that even caused me because sometimes we go down a path and, and we do the best we can based on, you know, what we know, you know, or based on, you know, the, our experiences. And because I experienced so much trauma, so much abuse, so much um, rejection and abandonment and things in my life at an early age. And I had a um, attempted suicide at 12 and I just was going through a lot. And so the only thing I knew, you know, or what I got introduced to um, was sex, unfortunately. That was one of my first teachers. Um, even though it was a very perverted um, introduction to sex, that was still my experience. And it led me down a path that, um, I, you know, I'm going to be honest, I wish I didn't go down, you know, but I cannot change it. And so God is so amazing that he is able to use the things that we are most ashamed of, right? He's able to use the things that we are most um, that we feel just like the most pain from because I started feeling a lot of pain from um, the things I did in my past and so he's able to take that though and just make something beautiful out of it and not just for me but he's able to do that for you too and that's the purpose 
The purpose is for you to see God is able to restore. He is able to renew. He is able to redeem. He is able to literally make your past be like nothing compared to the beautiful, bright future and destiny that he has for you, right? He's able to bring a man in your life or people in your life that have the capacity to love you in spite of, that have the capacity to cover you, that have the capacity to handle the weight of who you are and what comes with you and your baggage. And we don't have to go out looking and we don't have to go out, you know, trying to make it happen, but God can make it happen for you and he can do even more, right? So um, I just hope it blessed you. It's blessing me. I thank you all for joining in. As always, you guys can reach out to me um, on our Facebook page at Redefining a Woman's Worth. Um, on there, you can message me. You can email me. Um, you can also hit me up on Instagram at Janelle Renee underscore one. And you can email me directly at purityafterpromiscuity at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear your testimony. Um, if you need prayer, um, if you just maybe need a little more um, tips, you can um, reach out to me and I would just love, love, love to connect with you. Um, and as always, remember that your past does not define you. It develops you and you are worthy.